Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com slash jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. Today on the PCOS Diva podcast, I will be speaking with Nidhi Singh. She started the PCOS club in India in December of 2019 in hopes that it would become a one-stop place for everything one might need to manage their PCOS holistically. PCOS Club India is now India's largest patient-focused PCOS community. Her aim is to empower women to manage and heal their PCOS holistically and naturally and reduce dependency on conventional medicine. Through her various initiatives, she aims to break the stigma around PCOS and hopefully encourage people to start a conversation around this condition. Today, I thought it would be really interesting to have Nidhi on to talk about PCOS and around the globe, really, in the global scenario and how different cultures and environments play a role in PCOS inheritance. So welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast, Nini. Thank you so much, Amy. It's it's a pleasure uh, speaking with you today. Thanks for having me. So I'd love for you to just uh, share your story and journey with PCOS and what led you to start uh, this organization to really help more women in India? Sure. So Amy, like everybody else, my journey started when um, I was diagnosed with PCOS about 10 plus years ago. Uh, and in India back then, um, there was no information about PCOS. So when my doctor really told me that Nidhi, you uh, need to take these medications and do a bit of lifestyle change, lose some weight, uh, and you are at risk of PCOS. If you don't take care of it, it could get worse. So I was like, okay, um, I didn't know the severity of this condition. So I was least bothered about it. And a few years, like two, three years down, uh, I and I was working for a consulting firm, which required very heavy uh, working hours around the clock and uh, my my period situation got really worse I, I didn't have periods for a really really long time uh, 
I uh, was uh, somewhere, you know, was forced to take those medications and there was, it was a really, really hard time dealing with the side effects. And I didn't really know what was going on. And my health providers also didn't tell me that I could expect side effects. So it's pretty much one way conversation that I had with my health practitioners and no information how it could, this condition could go, uh, you know, worse. And when I Googled uh, about these symptoms, I was really surprised that nobody told me that these side effects are pretty common with these medications. And um, and, and lifestyle changes is something that's such a broad term. You don't know what these lifestyle changes mean for you. It could mean something else for me, something else for somebody else. So uh, the whole, uh, you know, vagueness about this condition sort of confused me. And so many years passed by until I got married, my condition became even worse. So I would say six plus years into this condition, I had no idea what was going on. Six plus years, I had no idea what was going on. I was just all over the place. I don't know what to do with my lifestyle changes. What does that mean? And only once I started to Google research, going to, uh, you know, deep down into information, I realized that there's so much to learn. This condition can be managed. So uh, that was pretty much a, a awakening point for me that, whoa, I mean, uh, all this information, if one could put that together in one place for somebody who's just diagnosed, uh, they would be in such a better place. Um, I mean, there's so many alternative medicine which is available to be explored. Uh, it's, on, it's not only hormonal medication, there is traditional medication, there is Ayurveda, uh, there are supplements, there are nutraceuticals. So I was pretty much surprised and shocked at the same time that there's so much that you can do for your PCOS, but nobody tells you. And uh, hence, I started with a mission and that too in India, when uh, where because this condition is so much related to periods and in India, if you talk about periods, especially in tier two and tier three cities, it is uh, definitely look, you're looked down upon. Uh, so already this condition is so overwhelming for somebody who's going through it then you have the stigma around this condition. You can't speak too much. You can't openly talk about it in your families, even in really like modern families in India. So um, imagine what one goes through with so much happening around them. So I just, uh, I just wanted to start this mission where uh, people could just come at one place and have a conversation so that they're not alone and uh, they don't have to feel ashamed to talk about it. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, that's how PCS Club India was born. That, that's awesome. I, I think that you even here in the US that there is a lot of social taboo still to talk about periods um, and shame, especially uh, you know, what my, my tagline for PCOS Diva is helping women reclaim their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. And for so many women, PCOS has robbed or unmanaged PCOS has robbed our sense of femininity with, you know, the hair growth and the acne and the weight gain, um, and also fertility, uh, because we're not getting our cycles, not ovulating, but I would imagine that it's it's even more so um, in in India. And I've heard that from women who have reached out to me, um, especially around the fertility piece too. 
absolutely and and i feel there is one thing that i would also add uh, here is that um the indian healthcare system um it doesn't make it mandatory or it's not a norm to have a yearly checkup um and to take care of your uh, reproductive health that that i see living in other countries in my experience there is a lot of uh, awareness about how you should get yearly checkups how it is important once you start menstruating you should meet a gynecologist uh, that awareness is also somewhere not at par which i believe contributes to somewhere delay in uh, the diagnosis we know that pcs diagnosis comes with its own challenges which with a lot of non standardized approaches being followed but uh, you know otherwise as well uh, the the doctor to patient ratio in india is also really really uh, low which means that um uh, even though so many people would want to help here uh, the the patient community uh, the doctors keep falling short so so i feel that um, you know there is somewhere uh the lack of that awareness from the health health uh care system is also there which plays a really huge huge role uh and that's what we are also told that a um, lot of people who come to us they say that uh i did not know that i would have to get an ultrasound done until i have to fall pregnant so when they try to conceive when they are not able to conceive is when they realize that oh i may have pcos and when we ask them that did you when was the last time you got your ultrasound done they tell us that we, we didn't get it done we thought it's never necessary or or it's not really important so i think um the the health around women is more about having a pregnancy and if you don't want to get pregnant you de- it it looks like that we don't deserve a good health uh so that's that's what some of the other challenges i feel make it even worse to ask for support when it comes to pcos mm. in in the us uh i know that the statistic um a couple of years ago is 50% of, of women with PCOS are undiagnosed. I, I would hope that that number um, is decreasing, but I would imagine in India, that number is even higher. Um, I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have heard from a lot of Indian women. I know that have, um, stumbled across my website and it's really, and my recipes, my jumpstart program. And uh, obviously the, the recipes and the meal plans are very much, um, in line with, you know, American, uh, way of eating and, uh, our, our food traditions. And I have found that it's very hard to translate that for me. Cause I'm not familiar with the Indian culture. Um, and, and you just, so many of women are vegetarian. Um, they rely a lot on, on dairy. Uh, there's the, the way of eating is very carb, um, focused, So that that's always been a struggle for me to help women in the Indian um, culture with managing PCOS. And I'd love for you to speak on diet um, and culturally 
that you have found really helps to heal PCOS um, in India? So you said it right, Amy, that our, our uh, diet are traditionally very carb focused. So there is roti and uh, rice, which takes uh, a lot of dominance on our plate. And uh, if so, so typically our counseling starts to first of all, tell them that, you know what, uh, we, we have been taught by our ancestors to eat like this, but the lives that we are leading, uh, it, it needs, um, you know, a, a bit of refreshing way of looking at our plates. Uh, so that's definitely one. And, and I feel that that requires uh, a lot, a lot of courage for people to change the way they look at their food, because we have been traditionally designed or just taught that we have to eat our rotis. And if we tell them that you have to switch to quinoa or you have to switch to eating gluten-free millets, uh, it is a big change for them. And it takes a really, really long time for them to make that switch. I think additionally, what is different in India is that uh, still most of the families live in, uh, in an extended way or they live in a uh, joint family sort of way. They're still not living in a nuclear way of living. Uh, I don't know if you use the same same words uh, back in US, but what I mean is that we do have big families where people are living together and uh, women often find difficult to make space for them to cook for themselves, mm-hmm. uh, to, to maybe make that space of, you know, uh, you know, choosing their own ingredients. Uh, there are a lot of dominance sometimes from the elder family members that, you know, this is what you have to eat because it's, it's being made for everybody at the home. So those are the softer or cultural uh, kind of aspects that we have to counsel them as well, where we bring in parents sometimes, or we bring in some of the family members and sometimes to make them explain that why these changes are necessary for their daughters or sisters or their wives. Um, because of uh, the way they're living. Sometimes we're also told that they don't have enough space to do their own workouts because the way they're living in India, uh, the the families are so big that they don't really have space. So those are the kind of challenges also people face apart from just the lifestyle change aspect that what they have to do, how do they implement is another thing that they're going through. So that's also pretty hard one. And, And we, most of the times we encourage our, uh, members to bring one family member to our community interactions so that they feel supported. Um, and, and I'm sure you'll agree that finding support uh, from your loved ones sometimes is really hard for a few people. Some may be lucky, but some of them do not uh, you know, find support. So that's also another thing that they are looked down upon with their condition. They are also told that, you know what, you're not able to bear a child. Um, maybe there's something wrong with you and they're being, um, you know, just being left alone dealing with this. So um, there's definitely a lot of, um, you know, these cultural aspects or the other ways to look at it where it just becomes really, really sad uh, for somebody who's living through PCOS. Mm. And, and, you know, you, you had said the the nuclear family and, um, I, you know, I think that women listening from the U S can, you know, understand what you're saying about 
having to have a different meal versus everybody else in the family. Um, even if we have a, you know, a smaller family unit, you know, in the house. Um, and, and I think that that's one of the biggest challenges is cooking two meals. Um, and that, that's why I really encourage uh, women, PCOS divas to get everybody on board with this way of eating because it's anti-inflammatory um, and it helps to balance blood sugar and it's really good for everyone. Um, but it's still such a challenge to get, to get husbands, kids, um, you know, extended family certainly would be really difficult. Um, so I, I feel for, for women in India, because <laughs> I'm sure it's just not an easy road. It's definitely not. And, and you said it right that, uh, you know, uh, when, when you look at a woman's brain, uh, we are trying to, uh, we're trying to fulfill so many roles. So we have mother or sister or parent uh, and, and somebody who's Ha who has to look at the kitchen. Uh, most of the people don't have their husbands. Uh, they're very lucky if their husbands are contributing in the kitchen, but they have to also take care of the meals. And then also if they're following a specific diet and uh, the, the husband doesn't, doesn't want to eat the quinoa or <laughs> mm -hmm. your PCOS friendly diet, so it is definitely an added pressure to cook. So um, yeah, it's more of like an additional stress, but but we uh, try to give our, um, you know, I love the word that you use, PCOS divas, but yeah, we love to, um, uh, we teach them how they can cook in a fam family friendly style uh, most of the times, but, but I think it's still something that you can't implement 100%. Somewhere there are days when uh, some, you know, your family wants to order in a pizza and you're like, no, I, I, I really worked hard on my health and I don't want to go with it. But then there's always this pressure lurking around you that, you know, you have to cook for yourself or you just have to think about your health and prioritize it while your family is uh, enjoying the other foods. Yeah, absolutely. So earlier you had mentioned um, alternative health solutions, um, that you looked into. And for me learning about Ayurveda, um, and that system of medicine, um, that originated in India was super helpful in my PCOS journey. It helped me to learn how to live according with the seasons, um, and learning what my, uh, dominant dosha was. And, and I will, I will link a couple articles in the show notes about Ayurveda that I've written, um, on PCOS Diva, but learning what my dosha was and it's sort of like your body type and, and how to balance that was enormously healing for me. And this year I developed, um, two, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to start working on a third mini course. I have the winter wellness mini course, which is, um, basically, and I don't really advertise it this way, but it's basically learning how to balance kind of that winter Vata type dosha. And then I just put out the spring renewal mini course. So that's learning how to balance the Kapha, um, dosha. And then I'm going to work. I'm 
thinking over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to work on one, like a spring into summer mini course based on the balancing the Pitta dosha. And um, those mini courses have been really well received, but I was wondering, is there um, learning how to use Ayurveda um, and the, the techniques and maybe some of the herbs, like uh, I know Tulsi or holy basil tea has been really helpful for me in managing stress. Um, ashwagandha is something that here in the U.S. is becoming more um, uh, normalized, I guess, for for um, supporting your adrenals. But I would love for you to just sort of speak to how Ayurveda has helped you, if it has, um, with your PCOS journey. Absolutely. And I, I think your understanding about Ayurveda seemed quite comprehensive when, when you spoke about the doshas. And I feel that absolutely, I took up a few courses myself so that I could learn that about myself. Um, so working on your dominant dosha and how you can balance your, um, you know, doshas and working on a diet, which uh, helps, um, I think Ayurveda really helped me to reset my gut really well. Mm -hmm. um, and in India, there are, uh, you know, these very specific times when people feel, uh, you know, sick around the spring to the summertime transition to, uh, you know, aut the, the autumn to the winter transition. These are the times when you usually fall sick. And PCOS is a very, it's an endocrine dysfunction. It's also a metabolic dysfunction and the gut has to do a lot with it. So I think Ayurveda really helped me in terms of understanding the diet that works for my dosha, calming my pitta. And um, I used a lot of uh, yoga and the way uh, uh, a yogi lives. So yoga is not about just the yoga asanas, but yoga is about how you eat your foods, how you cook your foods, uh, how you use the spices. So um, I really spent a lot of time with my coaches to work on my, um, you know, gut health. And that's where the spices uh, really helped me. That's where a lot of herbs really helped me. So mm -hmm. uh, turmeric root really helped me to regain my immunity. I used to fall really sick as I was a child. And I realized- uh, could you, what, what was that root? Could you, what, what was the, um, that turmeric root, turmeric root. Oh, turmeric. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So turmeric root, uh, it really helped me. And then ashwagandha, as you spoke, it was, it was fantastic. It worked fantastic, uh, to help me beat my fatigue. Uh, and I used it every day in my smoothies to how it sort of, uh, started giving me my energy back. Um, also, um, I realized that a lot of spices that do not work for me, the lot of foods that did not work for me, like dairy products, uh, and we have been conditioned uh, in India that uh, the cow is our holy animal, and uh, how can she be bad? How can cow be bad to us? But <laughs> that's what uh, is also a lot of times that you have to explain people that, you know, dairy is for some people, dairy may, may be very, very harmful. So I think um, in general, Ayurveda, the, the way we cook foods, uh, the, the utensils that we use in Ayurveda using earthen pots, uh, using, um, you know, not, not using those 
toxin-laden pans, but rather using, um, you know, earthen pots to cook or uh, cast iron uh, pans to uh, cook your meals. Uh, those are the finer things also I learned in the Ayurveda style of living, which really helped uh, trying to eat a lot of fresh foods. Uh, I know it's so difficult for people who are living alone and for them making a fresh meal every time is a big, big challenge. But wherever there is an opportunity, trying to have as much fresh fruits and vegetables and fruits and having a good serving of um, at least three to four, um, you know, good fresh vegetables and fruits on your plate every day can go a really long way. Uh, so somebody who's been on the run for, you know, working in such um, toxic environment, for me, getting fresh fruits and vegetables on my plate was also a very big uh, thing for me and an achievement for me. Uh, and in Ayurveda, you say that you have to you have to eat the sattvic way, which means that you eat fresh fruits. You 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 don't eat a lot of uh, meat and uh, dairy products. You you uh, eat a lot of live um, um, plants and fruits and nuts and uh, seeds, which are coming from nature. Uh, so I think all that education about uh, not only just the food part, but the way of living. Uh, and then there is the meditation and uh, getting um, getting uh, to know, uh, you know, just reconnecting with yourself in terms of, um, you know, the rush that we are always living in. So how do you need to calm down, learning how to sit straight and just uh, meditate for five to 10 minutes if it has been the whole busy day. So I think it was a full circle, full cycle of learning so many things, uh, which, which, I, which I now use to coach people uh, in our community. It was a pretty uh, life-changing, I would say. And, and I think um, everybody who's going through PCOS and struggling to uh, understand their symptoms or manage their symptoms, you need to implement these uh, finer practices, which Ayurveda says, uh, and, and I think that really goes a long way. And I would just again mention certain herbs that work really well for me. It was turmeric root, it was ashwagandha, it was definitely uh, lots of holy basil. Um, and I know spearmint is not really, um, you know, a part of, uh, Ayurveda as such, but spearmint really helped me with my hirsutism. One herb uh, called, it's it's in English, I think it's called chasberry, but in, in India, you find it very widely here. It's called nirgundi in Hindi, uh, and you find it everywhere. It's abundantly av available, and it really helped me to manage my painful periods. So that is something that I would want to say, uh, and I find it now um, in all across Amazon now, Chasper, you find it, but it is actually a Ayurveda hub. Yeah, and and um, it it also goes by the name Vitex um, Agnes Castus. Yeah, yeah, and and you have to for those women with PCOS who have elevated LH, you have to be a little careful with that because that can elevate your LH and, and mm -hmm. aggravate your, your symptoms more. So that's just a, a, a little caveat, but for a lot of women, I'm glad that it, it does help. And I'm glad it helped you. Another Ayurvedic, um, herb that I'll just 
give a little shout out to if you're suffering with low libido is shatavari. Is oh that, my God. yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's, I think that can be really helpful. It's, um, I, I, I think it's, I think of it as kind of like ashwagandha, um, but more for women. I, I don't know what, what, what is, what is your thoughts on shatavari? Yeah. Yeah. Shatavari is great. Uh, it, it belongs to a asparagus family and, uh, it's, um, it's definitely known to improve the ovulation and helps to improve the cervical mucus quality. Uh, it works really, really well for people with PCOS, but what we've, what we've also learned that uh, not everybody benefits generally from Shatavari. Some people do not find a change. So with herbs, I think it's something like a trial and error as mm-hmm. well that Uh, people need to keep experimenting what's working for them or not. So there's another herb called root called Ashoka, uh, which is also being actively used now in herbal blends for PCOS management. But what I've been also told that maybe this, this blend did not work for me or this sometimes people come and say, Oh, that was magical. It worked for me. But, but I think in general, Shatavri usually works really well for um, improving fertility because it works on your ovulation. Mm. So I was just going to bring this up. I remember, and I, I've, I should have gone back and looked for the study, but there was a study done in India that was looking at a, a certain section of India um, and the high prevalence of women with PCOS in this one region versus other areas of India. Um, I'm going to have to try to find that study and link it in the, in the show notes. Uh, But what is it about um, the body composition in, you know, certain areas of India that makes women more susceptible to PCOS? Sure. So I think um, there is one aspect where, where we understand that PCOS is, uh, getting it 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 get influenced from the genetics and of course our lifestyle uh and our environment condition which makes us uh, more insulin resistant and india is also known as diabetic capital of the world uh it could be because of our body compositions usually south asians or people in india uh, their waist to hip ratios, if you look at that, they, that's much bigger. Uh, so that composition and that sort of body type uh, just makes people more susceptible to have a belly and insulin resistance. Because with that body composition, there is a research. And in fact, the latest PCOS guidelines also say that Uh, the waist to hip ratios, um, if it is more than 0.89, then you are, you may be more susceptible to have insulin resistance. So there are a lot of studies which also say that in this body type, it just makes you more susceptible uh, to have diabetes or obesity, and um, you may have more chances to get PCOS. Mm. Well, I, I would love for you to share more about um, PCOS Club India and um, how women can find out more about the work that that your organization does? 
Sure, thank you. So uh, PCOS Club India is a community-driven PCOS management platform, which provides with a lot of credible knowledge about how you can manage your PCOS. So we run a lot of PCOS management programs. Uh, then we also have a lot of health practitioners who are inclusive in their approach while uh, dealing with their patients. And they also have a very holistic way of uh, doing their consultations. So people can, you know, uh, without any fair approach them and ask all of their questions and get consultations. We also have India's only PCOS marketplace where you can find all the nutraceuticals, your inositols and herbs and anything that you need to manage your PCOS. And we also have uh, the facility to order your lab tests and blood work for your PCOS. So essentially anything that you need regarding your PCOS management specifically for South Asians, we are there for you. And we also have a community uh, on Facebook, Telegram, socials. So we're pretty much everywhere. And if you want to look us up, you can go to www.pcosclubindia.com or you can find us at the rate PCOS Club India on Instagram. Excellent. Do you have, do you, what about recipes? Um, and there are a lot of recipes on our Instagram and on our guide section. And we do it specifically for our community members who join our program. But there are lots and lots of them on our website as well. So you can look us up and find all the information. We do a lot of recipes. We, load of, we do a lot of gluten-free and plant-based recipes as well. Uh, and a lot of a lot of recipes that are for your festivals and the way to eat and cultural and uh, festival environment as well. So there's so much that we do. So you 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 might want to just check us out and get all the information. That's that's fantastic. Now I have somebody <laughs> somewhere to point people <laughs> to that are looking for for cultural Indian recipes. So thank you uh, for, for everything that you're doing for women with PCOS. Um, it, it's, it's really, a, you know, a wonderful thing that you're doing, Nidhi. Thank you so much, Amy. And uh, thank you for having me. I, as I said, uh, I'm uh, so, so honored to be here today talking to you. And it's been truly a pleasure. Oh, well, I, again, thanks for being here. And thank you to everyone listening. I look forward to being with you again very soon. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at PCOSDiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.